Father, I speak your peace into every heart that we would be still, Lord, and hear your voice once again. We worshipped you. We brought our prayer request before you. People brought their tithes and their offerings. But now, Father, we rest at your feet. You told Martha, that's the better place. But one thing Martha lacked is to learn to sit at your feet. Today, Father, I pray, we'll put aside everything else that troubles us, that worries us. Whatever burden we came with, we'll put it aside and be just seated at your feet. Because you are the answer to every issue of life. Give us hearing ears that we might hear. The heart to believe, the will to obey. We need you, Spirit of God. We need you today. Even to hear, to believe, to obey, we need you. Truly, Lord, without you, there is nothing we can do. But we also believe that we can do all things through Christ Jesus, who strengthens us. Strengthen us this morning, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this morning, even as we continue from where we stopped last Sunday, the love of God, God loves us. God is love and God is faithful and he won't fail us. I know it's so difficult to believe after the episode in the Garden of Eden. It became difficult because we chose to listen to another voice. From that day when man fell, we started doubting God. We started questioning his love. We started questioning his faithfulness, but that doesn't change who God is. God is love and God is faithful. And if God is love and if God is faithful, then you and I can love him with all of our heart, trust him with all of our heart, and you can be very sure he won't fail us. But the question is, how do I get to know this God more and more intimately? How do, it's no point loving somebody you do not know. Then it all becomes theory. Theory doesn't help, it's practical. That helps. This God knows me and you by name. He calls people in the Bible by name. He doesn't say they're who? Shh. Have you ever heard anybody be called like that in the Bible? No. He calls them exactly by name. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Samuel, he went to that little man on the tree, Zacchaeus. Come down. Nathaniel, he saw you under the fig tree. He knows everyone by name. So don't, if you're sitting here today, don't ever think that God does not know who you are. He knows who you are. He knows everything about you and me. And he does and he cares for us. It's not just that like he knows you, but he knows and he cares for us. Scripture says it 
constantly thinks about us. It's again very difficult, right? But he constantly thinks about us. Therefore, I need to know this person. But remember to know anybody, anybody. You need to hear from him or her. Everything else is knowledge about him or her. Which is good. Knowledge about good is very good. But it still does not lead to a personal relationship. An ongoing personal relationship. Therefore we need to hear from God. From Genesis 3 onwards, literally, what you see is a God who is interested in talking to his creation, man. He's a God who seeks, who finds, and speaks. Not just saves, he speaks. Therefore, the first question in the Bible is to the man who is hiding from him. Where are you? Where are you, Adam? He's so interested in us. All the questions are connected because he's interested in the individual. Where are you? Who told you you were naked? What have you done? Why are you angry? Remember the questions? Even to Hagar, an Egyptian slave, his question to her is like, where are you coming from? Where are you going? When Sarah laughs in her heart, he asks her, why did you laugh? Is anything too difficult for God? To Jacob, who has been running for 20 years, he asks him, what is your name? All the way from Genesis, all the way to Malachi, you see God speaking, asking, and then he reveals himself as the Son has Jesus. Yet, there are people to whom God talked, like Cain, who went only further and further away from God. That's the history of the majority of mankind. So in Christ we see the Father coming again to seek to save the lost. So John 3.16 says, everybody knows? We should know this by heart, okay? For God so, wow, this word, so, I love you so much. What does it mean? Mean I forgot to text you. That's not what God is saying. God says, I love you so much that he gave his only begotten son. When he says he so loved the world, he doesn't mean anything that we see with our eyes except man. He's not talking about this structure, the political, economic, physical structure we have built. No, he's only talking about men and women and children walking on the face of earth, marred by sin. And we saw how he loves us, though we are terrible in his sight. And the condition for salvation is only one. Whoever believes in him. Simple. Whoever believes in him. Only one condition. Whoever, it doesn't matter who you are, whoever believes in him. Believes in him means believing him as the Messiah, as the Savior. That's what saves you. If you believe him as a healer, he heals you. If you believe him as a deliverer, he delivers you. But if you believe him as a Savior, he saves you. That's the issue. Everyone, when he walked on earth, crowded around him. But for most of them, 
he was only somebody who was there to meet the temporal needs primarily sickness but sickness provision these are all the extras the main course is salvation from our sin salvation of our soul that they refused they took all the extras and they refused the main course that is salvation but the first promise in the new covenant in Matthew 1 and verse 21 is she will bring forth a son and you shall name call his name Yeshua for he will save his people from their sins the first promise is the promise of the messiah that if you believe in him Yeshua as the messiah he would save them from their sins he will save his people from his sins but when they heard this they turned hostile because they saw it as an end of their temporal dreams even today it is the same you can come to the house of god with whatever need you have it's a god who meets you at your point of need whether it is a healing whether it is peace as we sang whether it is provision a job whatever it is where can you go but to god and where can you find him primarily but in the house of god it is good come to the house of god put all your prayer requests here we will pray but don't go back with just that don't be like the jews of the 21st century where they received everything from him except they refused to accept him as the messiah as the messiah Remember the cry of the Samaritan woman when he spoke to her and exposed her all her sins yet did not condemn her her cry when she ran into the Samaritan city back is come and see this man who has told everything that I have done is either Messiah the Messiah that's where salvation begins he is the Messiah he is the savior because that's God's primary focus therefore god's primary focus in each one of our lives is that we are saved that we turn our eyes from the temporal to the eternal because that's where he dwells he dwells in eternity so he wants us to take our eyes of this temporal needs and fix our eyes on eternity and he says i am the one who saves you because he does not want anyone to perish which actually means to spend eternity away from him which is perdition the world is crowding around us with its temporal pleasures or pressures so that we take our eyes off christ and god's eternal kingdom and we stop experiencing the love of god though god still loves us the same way it's we who took our eyes off either the world brought pleasure or the world brought pressure we took our eyes off him and we stop experiencing his love but he hasn't stopped loving us we just stopped experiencing it it is god's love that reached out to us we saw last sunday his enemies the sinners the weaklings and the love of god is so vast that he wants to adopt everyone 
who believes in him as his sons and daughters. That is the love of God. We love in different ways. But God's love is so different that everyone he loves who believes in him. John 1.12 says he wants to adopt them as his children. As many as received him. Here is the father. Look at, at this. Here is the father. For God so loved the world he, he gave. We received. God gave his only begotten son and as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Nothing less. Nothing less. There's nothing more greater than this. Nothing greater. Nothing greater than this. You'll see in eternity there is nothing greater you can be than to be called the son or daughter of God. So God's love is so vast. That his love is to call us who believe in him as his sons and daughters. Children born not of the flesh but of the spirit. Every child born again is born from above. Born by the very spirit of God. That means she receives the very life of God. So we have to grow in our sonship. I don't know, we don't use a term in English called daughtership, but it means the same thing. Okay, we have to grow. It doesn't use childship also. So let's use sonship. So when I use sonship, it includes all of you. Irrespective of gender, we have to grow in our sonship. You see, in the physical, you can grow in the body. Or in the mind. That does not mean you have grown in sonship. You may even grow taller and bigger than your earthly father. There he sits. Earthly father. When he comes home, I say there are giants in the land. Okay. You can grow taller and bigger than your earthly father. Or if you're a girl, than your earthly mother. But that doesn't mean you have grown in sonship. You may grow intellectually smarter. More degrees than your parents ever had, your father ever had. That doesn't mean you have grown in sonship. It is not the same. To grow in sonship is to grow in the obedience to the voice of the father. That's the only way you will grow in sonship. This is true in spiritual terms too. A true son of God who has grown in sonship is one who has grown in hearing the voice of God and is now being led by God. In Romans 8 and verse 14 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And verse 15 will say, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba Father. Sonship that we received. We've been adopted. And we call him confidently Abba Father. No fear. Absolutely. And the confidence grows as you grow in your sonship because you understand your father better and better. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 6, scripture says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. Because we are his children. Where did it all begin? Begins with God. God sent his son 
and we believed when he believed a whole lot of things started happening god adopts us as his sons and daughters and then he sends the very spirit of his son jesus christ into our hearts are you getting it the spirit of jesus the spirit of the father the holy spirit all within us crying out what abba father that's the cry and it all comes from one simple thing from hearing it all comes from hearing and believing and obeying that's why scripture says faith or trust in god comes from hearing hearing from the word of god the voice of god this is where god has spoken the voice of god the word of god scripture is very clear whosoever believes that jesus is the messiah is the christ that is the only way one can be born of god there is no other way repeated again in 1 john chapter 5 and verse 1 whoever believes jesus is the christ is born of god you see scripture is confirming what was said in the gospels is now being confirmed in the epistle there is only one way you can be born of god that doesn't matter who you are what race what age what gender it makes no difference whosoever believes jesus is the christ he is the messiah he is the savior he is the anointed one of god he is the one who can save you from your sins whoever believes that jesus christ jesus is the christ is born of god that's the only parameter first and the result of being born again what is the result of it is it for children to understand think in physical terms a good family a normal loving family okay because we have to make it very clear because dysfunctional families fill the earth so think about one normal family okay like uh, isaac and rebecca with the two children before the children grew up nice happy family tata is there in the tents and isaac and rebecca are living happily the children are growing up okay that family think about that in physical terms what is the results of being born again 1 john 4:19 we love him because he first loved us think in terms of a little normal family when a baby is born with the lit, the tiniest baby here is sister gurjit right kripa is the smallest one and uh, everybody is looking that's her name <laughs> i hope so i don't know <laughs> okay and uh, then uh, there is a uh, natty boy over there there with the father over there you see that little baby when born puny little wrinkled face it can give you nothing except sleepless nights and a lot of hard work but you love that baby and you know what if you're constantly with that baby the baby will learn to love you back baby learns to love you back it knows it starts recognizing when its mother comes it starts smiling when the father comes back from office and calls him natty boy he starts smiling why because he first loved us we love him that's how you know 
That's how you know. These things written in scripture is not all imagination. It is real. He first loved us, therefore we love him. That's how you know you are born again. You love him. Maybe first your love is only like a baby. It's all physical. You have to tickle him, he will laugh. So God tickles you, gives you a little, little emotional experience and you feel so good, go out, you forget. The baby, the minute the father is out of the picture, he forgets. Because that's okay, you're just a baby. It's fine. But you love me. It learns to love you back. It knows your voice. Slowly recognizes your face. And one little smile from that baby lights up your face. You need to realize when small little believers, young newborn believers, when they do these little, little things, it lights up the face of God's father too. Because he is a father. And everything we feel as parents, we got it from him. It is nothing is original. Are you getting the picture? Now think about a baby. Okay, let's talk about Natty. Natty suddenly realizes whenever he is with the household, two little children come and look at him. One is Abigail and the other is Emmanuel. He realizes there are other siblings also around. And he looks at them. He recognizes them. They love him because that's the latest addition in the family. And he also learns to love him. And if you look at Sister Gurjit's baby is sitting on Harleen's lap all the time. Are you getting the picture? 1 John 5.1 And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. Everyone who loves the Father also learns to love the others begotten by the same Father. That's what the church is. Every child that is coming in is new. It's a stranger that is coming into the family. It is not that you knew him before. No. It's a new one who has come in. So new, new people coming in. But if they have come in and they have believed in the same God and they are born of the Spirit, we learn to love one another because it is a family. It is a family. And 1 John 4 verse 20 and 21 says, If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? This is talking only in terms, it's not talking about the world, okay? This is all in the context of the church, of a family. He says, if you don't love one another and say, oh, I love you, God. God says, which father in a normal house when you are sitting, there for dinner, if the brother and the sister or the two brothers won't talk to each other, we'll continue with supper. Right? He'll say, what's wrong over here? There's something wrong here. Let's make peace first. Let's deal with the issues. No, I can't stand him. God says, what? Aren't you brother and sister? Aren't you brother and brother? Aren't you sister and sister? You can have issues. He who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God? Things are put over there. Very simple. Therefore we also learn to love those who were begotten of him. Therefore the entire unity of the home is centered on one figure. And how the rest deal with him. That's the father. That's why God's name is Father. Do you really love the Father? 
What does it mean to love the Father? 1 John 5.3 says, For this is love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. I love you, Dad. Really? Are you getting? If you love God, then His commandments are not burdensome. That is why the first step to walking and have a relationship with God is hearing from God is the first step. If you don't hear from God, how will you obey Him? But I have had so many people come to me and say, I have never heard from God. You have. As we go further, we will see. Because God speaks. And we serve a God that speaks throughout history. Question is, how does God speak? If you are young, very young, how does God speak? There was a very young person in the Bible to whom God spoke. First Samuel chapter 3 and verse 4. Then the Lord called Samuel and he answered, here I am. Can we have the further verses? I didn't write it, but can you have the further verses down? Five, six. That the Lord calls, Lord calls Samuel and he answered, here I am. And where did he go? So he ran to Eli and said, here I am for you call me. And he said, I did not call you. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you call me. He answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Understand. When you are very small, when you are very young, when God speaks to you, he speaks to you in the voice of the one whose voice you are most familiar with. There was one voice in Shiloh he knew and he respected. It was the voice of Eli. In the night when God called Samuel, he called him in the voice of Eli. Therefore he woke up and ran to Eli. Did you call me? He said, no, I didn't call him. What's the message there? The message is there. When you are young, when you are growing up, and if your father and mother knows the Lord, when they speak to you, listen to them. It is the voice of God speaking to you. is the voice of God speaking to you. That's how he speaks when he is young. That's why that commandment in the Bible with that blessing, the only command in the ten with the blessing, honor your father and mother. For you shall live long in the land the Lord shall give you because he speaks through that believing parent. There are only two voices Samuel was familiar with. When he was at home, it was his mother Hannah. And when he was at Shiloh, it was the high priest Eli. So watch out for those God-ordained voices in your life. Because God will speak to you through them. In verse 7, scripture says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. There is a message there too. Samuel did not know the Lord when the Lord called him. Samuel did not know God, but God knew Samuel. If there is anybody sitting here who still doesn't know Christ, please know this. He knows you and he can speak to you right now. You don't need to know him for him to speak to you. Because when God spoke to Samuel and called him by name, Samuel did not know him. But God knew him 
and knew him by name. He speaks. He speaks. So it does not matter whether you know him or not for God to speak to you. He knows you and he knows you by name. Words 8 will say, and the Lord calls Samuel again the third time. When you are young and when you do not know the Lord, please know this. He will call you again and again until you hear him because he's patient towards you. He will. He'll talk to you again and again until you hear him because he's patient and because he knows you are young. He's still speaking. Because love is patient. God is love and love is patient. And again Samuel, the third time. And he arose and went to Eli. Okay, we are not getting into that because Eli realized God is speaking to this young man. A note here. Samuel heard the voice. The high priest Eli did not though they were in the same, under the same roof. So God can also speak to in one in such a way that the other does not hear or does not understand. In the same house, under the same roof. In Acts chapter 9 verse 7, the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. This is Saul of Dark. Tarsus on the road to Damascus when Jesus appears like a light and speaks to him. When he talks about this years later in Acts 22 and verse 9, those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. They did not hear the voice of who spoke to me. When he recounts it further later in Acts 26, 14, and when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew language. It gets clearer. There's a bunch of people going. They're struck by a light. They see the light. They see no one. They did not hear the voice. One man alone heard the voice. And the one man who heard the voice, heard the voice in his own language. So God speaks Hebrew. He speaks all languages. So if he speaks to you and the only language you know is Telugu, be sure he will speak to you in Telugu. He speaks. We have to first believe that our God speaks. That's why we come to church. That God can speak to anyone. Anything. Not just anyone. Anything. Have you ever wondered in Jonah 4-7, how did God speak to a worm? Morning, dawn, the next day, God prepared a worm. The worm was going this way. God said, no, that way. Can you ever communicate with a worm? With all our technology. Whatever technology you want to, can you communicate to a worm? No, but God can. Serve an awesome God who can even speak to the worm and tell me my will for you today is to go there and finish that creeper off because I have to send a message to the prophet. He can speak to a worm. How did God speak to the donkey? How did God speak to all those roosters? 
All the roosters in Jerusalem that day were told to shut up. And then when the appointed time came, third time Peter rebuked him, sorry, betrayed him, the rooster was told, now you can start. How did he do this? Why we look at this? Because you need to realize if God can speak to a worm, a donkey, a rooster, won't he talk to his children? How did God speak to the raven? Easier understanding for children to the crow. Think of the raven. Think of a raven for a minute. The crow. Can anyone change the nature of a raven? Do you know what crows eat? They do a better job than GHMC. They are the world's garbage cleaners. But think about the raven. Can anyone change the nature of a raven? Raven is called by God. You need to eat good food from today. No more unclean food for you. No more stealing. Crows are famous for stealing. No more stealing. Eat clean food till you are full. Then with that clean beak now, take meal for my servant twice a day. God can make the unclean clean. God can change the nature, habit of anyone. Even if you are born with it, he can change it. Those are the messages there in the Bible. If you can make a raven clean to bring kosher food for the prophet, you can me too. Question is, do you believe? Then cry out to God because we serve a God who speaks, who acts. Not only that is the message that if you get your lips clean and change your old habits, you can be used to feed others, including prophets. Everybody can be used by God. Therefore, we have a God who speaks. God who speaks. In Genesis 21, verse 1, the pinnacle of Abraham's life, which begins Years ago from hearing the voice of God once, now he's reaching the pinnacle. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, God who calls you by a name. He called, he didn't call him. Hello? Abraham, he calls you by a name. A God who knows you by name. A God who knows where you live without GPS. Even GPS goes wrong. Remember Ananias in the book of Acts was sent to Saul of Tarsus. What is he told? In the house of Judas on the city street called Straight asked for a man, Saul of Tarsus, he is praying. Wow. So God said to him, arise, go to the street called straight. Street number is given. This is straight. Inquire at the house of Judas. And there is a man called Saul who has come from Tarsus. And if they say we do not know, just tell him, look inside his brain. We need GPS. God doesn't need GPS. I was in Calcutta at the airport when I got the text from my son's school saying, uh, Pickup is from Lal Bazaar. I typed on my this thing Lal Bazaar to his school. It took me to Cox Bazaar in Bangladesh. 
And I was thinking, if he were to go from Lal Bazaar to Cox Bazaar, he will be going to school once a year. Do you see what happens to our GPS? Do you see God going wrong? He knows who you are. He knows where each one of us live, where we work. It is comforting. It is scary too. Remember Cornelius the unbeliever? These are believers. These are all believers. They all have encountered Christ. There is another man who has not encountered Christ whose name is Cornelius. He's a Roman centurion. But now he hears from God. What does he hear from God? He said, I have seen your good works. Good works are all good. It is good for you. It's not good for me. Good for you is when you believe in me. Therefore, send somebody to Joppa. There in Joppa, there is a Simon whose other name is Peter. Who is living with another man called Simon who is a tanner. And his house is by the beach. Wow. Look at that. Send men to Joppa and send for Simon whose surname is Peter. Why? He is lodging with another Simon who is a tanner. Whose house is by the sea. Does God know where you live? Does God know you by name? Address clear. So don't ever by mistake say, Lord, you don't know anything about me. God says, I know everything about you. Everything. A God who speaks, a God who knows my name, is called Abraham. Genesis 22 verse 1 says, And he said, Here I am. There is a God who speaks. But there should be a man, a woman who hears. And responds, Here I am, said Abraham. Here I am, said Samuel. Here I am, said Isaiah. Here I am, said Joseph, when his father called him. It's one thing for God to speak. It's another thing for man to hear. When God speaks, may God give us ears that hear. And a heart that responds to the voice of God. Abraham heard the voice of God in his old age here. Samuel heard the voice of God in his very young age. Same God. Same God. So it doesn't matter whether you are very young today or feel very old today. You can hear the voice of God. Hear him speak. To one, it will be like music. After Eli says, that is God calling. It's the little boy has been following this old man in the temple. If you know your story, he's got a little effort and is forever ministering before the Lord. Doesn't know what he's doing. He has only heard about this God. But you know, if you go to our traditional churches, you have those little boys who are there with the priest doing all this stuff. They have no clue what is happening over there, but they like that costume. He's come and he blows the smoke and everything and he mutters something in Syriac which he doesn't even understand. But he loves it because there's an ambience and the crowd is watching you. This is little Samuel going around doing all these things. And one day he hears the voice of God. Samuel, he called me by name. Most exciting day of his life. Everything is going to change when God calls him by name. But another man, when he calls him by name, it's going to be the most terrible day of his life. Same God. It's going to, a knife is going to go through his soul. Because all those years, remember, 
Little Samuel had lived in Shiloh with Eli. Every year his mother used to come. Hannah came. You'll see how she came. Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen effort. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe, bring it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. It would be like such a day for him. Mommy is coming, mommy is coming, mommy is coming. Festival is coming, mommy is coming. You know? And mommy comes with this robe. But that year, it must have been so exciting because mommy is excited to see the child. Every year the child is excited to get his new robe. But this year it is different. He runs to his mommy and says what? I heard the voice of God. Mommy, I heard the voice of God. God spoke to me. My question to parents is, is that our joy? What do we rejoice Oh, my son brought the medal. My daughter brought the certificate. No. When the day your child comes home and says, I heard from God, should be the greatest day in your life. I heard from God. Nothing in life compares to that. Absolutely nothing. Than hearing from God. Samuel heard from God. Abraham heard from God. And we need to hear from God. Instead of pushing our children into the world, Pray that they are pushed to God. Not at the cost of hearing from God, parents. So what's the greatest quality of a leader? His degrees? His stature? His experience? His money? His eloquence? No. The greatest quality of a leader is the voice of God he has heard. And his response. Every leader in the Bible, his beginning was he heard God. Nothing else. No qualification mattered to God. Only one thing, you heard God. And the voice of God he has heard and his response. Abraham heard, Samuel heard, Moses heard, Joshua heard, Paul heard, all the leaders heard. And they all said, here I am. Because you have to hear from God to prepare the next generation for God. And in verse 2, Genesis 22, verse 2, the God you heard to whom you respond also commands. As you grow familiar with the voice of God, he commands. He said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Take. He commands different things to different people. The toughest command was given to Abraham. But he commands different things to different people. It's not the same. Moses was told to take a rod and go to Egypt and stand before the Pharaoh and ask him to set the people free. Joshua was asked to let the Ark of the Covenant go in the front and lead the people and possess the land. Different things. But there is a God who not only speaks, but he will also command. There is a God who speaks. There is a man who hears. There is a command you receive. And in Genesis 22 verse 3, there is a man who obeys. Two and three will differentiate most in the church. One thing to hear, one thing to respond, is another thing to obey. A man who obeys. In 1 Samuel 15 22, scripture says, obedience is greater than Sacrifice. God demands one ounce of obedience to 20 pounds of 
sacrifice. Obedience is greater than. Yeah, you didn't get it? Yeah. Samuel said, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? All our offerings. If it is without obedience, God says he has no delight. Continuous communication of the Father is only with those who obey. Only when we obey the first step, he reveals the next. Now you want to hear from God? You want to hear from God? It's always connected with obedience. He doesn't ask you big, he never asked Abraham to take his son in the beginning. Nothing, there was no son. But he tells you little things in the beginning. In Acts chapter 7, verses 2 to 4, scripture says, Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land I will show you. First, he time he heard, he was in the Ur of the Chaldeans and he was told, Leave your father's household, leave all that, leave your country and move. Did Abraham obey? He did. Did he fully obey? No. He took his household with him, meaning he took his father with him. And the other relatives he took with him. So God waited. Can God speak to him? No. Why? He obeyed, but he didn't fully obey. To us it may look like we obeyed. To Saul also it looked as if we obeyed. But God said, you didn't obey me. No, I sacrificed. God said, you sacrificed, I can hear. Where is that sound coming from? Oh, I kept the best for sacrifice. Abraham also said, yeah, I, I am not in the order of the Chaldeans. Don't you see me? I am walking. I am walking further and further away. But you are, who are you taking with you? Who are you taking with you? We will also say, Pastor, you don't know. I obey. I am there in church every Sunday. But are you carrying your sins with you all the time? Are you carrying those things and those people whom God told you to leave behind with you every Sunday? That's why you don't hear the voice of God. Because you think you obey, but you haven't obeyed. So 11.32 will say, Genesis 11.32 will say, So the days of Terah were 205 years and Terah died in Haran. God waited. We don't know how long. He waited. Then Terah died. When Terah died, in chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. This is a second appearance, not the first appearance. Second time God speaks is when Terah has died. When whatever is holding you from obeying God dies in your life, you will hear the voice of God again. He spoke. He heard from God. Again, as he moves into the promised land, In verse 6 and 7, he will hear again, Abraham passed through the land to the place of Shishem as far as territory of Moreh and the Canaanites were in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to your descendants, I will give this land. He didn't say this in the beginning. He said, I will bless you, I will make you a great nation and all that. He heard that and he left Haran and came to the promised land. When he came to the promised land and obeyed, God said, okay. Do you see this land you are standing? I will give it to you. Next stage of revelation, step by step. As you obeys. That's how you hear, you obey. You will hear more. In chapter 13, verse 14 and 17. And the Lord said to Abraham, after Lot had separated from him. The next time you he will hear is years later. 
Why hasn't God spoken to him yet? Because he took somebody from his father's household with him. Still disobedience. Little, 10%. 90% obedient, 10%. One nephew is with him, which was not part of the plan. When he left, God said to Abraham, that's why it is written, the Lord said to Abraham, after the Lord separated from him. You read Genesis, before that God never speaks. It's many years, they've gone to Egypt, they come out of Egypt, all that is over, God hasn't spoken. Why? Because there is one area you haven't obeyed yet. And you very clearly know, God has instructed you very clearly, it's not, you did not obey in things which you did not know, you haven't obeyed in the things which you know. Immediately, he says, look, See where you are, north, south, east, west, all the land which you see, I give it to you and your descendants. Revelation is now coming further. First he said, I will bless you. Second he said, I give you this land. Now he says, look all around, I give you all this land. And then further he says, 16, 17, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. And then he says, arise and walk in this land through its length and it bits for I give it to you. He gives him purpose. He says, Abraham, you're going to be here for a long time. You're not going to build a house and settle down in any one, any one place. You're going to travel the whole of the promised land. Moving, 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 moving. That's your purpose. Possessing, claiming this land for your descendants who will come one day. You see how God reveals as we obey? That is what it means to love God. If you love God, you will obey His commands. Abraham obeys. It is. Not an incomplete obedience we see in Genesis 22. By the time we read Genesis 22, it's a complete prepared obedience. Take your son, your only son, and make a three-day journey. And in one of those mountains, I will tell you, you can sacrifice him. What does he do? Verse 3. Abraham arose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he... Watch that. It's not just a journey. It's a prepared journey. What does he take with him? He took wood for the burnt offering. And the next verse, 9, 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand. So he's carrying. Those days they carried fire in pots. So it's a very purposeful journey. Okay, Uh, you told me to take my son and sacrifice him, but... I am going to go in such a way that it will look as if I obeyed, but there I can have some excuse to say, oh, I forgot the wood. That's how people come to church. Shall I ask a question? How many of you brought your Bibles with you? I see only half the hands. Oh, more hands are going up. Do you see? He's absolutely prepared. I've taken the wood, I've taken the knife, and I have the fire. I, my obedience is prepared at that point to obey him completely. I have taken everything with me that will fulfill his command. Prepared. Is that how you go? Prepared? Prepared. That's how you need to go. Obey God. Little, little things. Little, little things. I tell young people all the time, if you're going for a full day meeting somewhere, hoping to hear the voice of God, don't drink too much water in the morning. What happens? When that prophetic word is probably coming for you, you're sitting in that room. There is a preparation for everything. Everything. Because you're putting the spiritual ahead of everything else. Then you prepare yourself. Prepare. Abraham was absolutely prepared to obey. He had wood, he had fire, he had his knife. 
And verse 4 says, On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Third day. Okay, It's a long journey. If God gives you a command to do something, the end of it is a long time away. Will you get tired somewhere on the way or get distracted on the way? Will you get distracted? Or we will go on because we know who spoke. Only on the strength of it. It could be very far off. A long time away. But he was not distracted. He completed his journey. He completed. In verse 9, they came to the place which God had told him and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. The next thing you learn is that there is a man who hears the voice of God, obeys the voice of God, and there is a son who obeys the voice of his father. We saw in the previous verse, in verse 6, if I am right, what did we see in verse 6? He took the pile of wood. You know how much wood you need for a sacrifice? If you have gone for cremations, you will know how much wood is needed. Pile of wood. Laid it on. This is no so, this is no some young kid. This is a strong young teenager. Put it on him. Left the servants behind. Isaac is carrying the wood up the mountain. Strong young man. Keep that in your mind and then read what we read earlier. Verse 9. He bound Isaac, his son, on the altar. Here, dad. Till then he asked, dad, wood is here, fire is there and all that. When he reached the place and the altar was made and the wood was arranged, he realized, I am the sacrifice. He's a strong young man. This is an old man. He says, daddy here. I'm sure he climbed onto the altar, lay down and said, daddy, I might fight at the last minute, so you tie me up. Bound him up. A son who obeys. Are you a son or a daughter who obeys the voice of a father or a mother who has heard from God? Are you? You see in Genesis 22, the voice of Sarah is silent. It is his silent obedience to the will of God. In First Samuel, it is Hannah who vows, you give me a child, I will give it back to you. And when the child is born, he will not go to Shiloh until I have weaned him and give him over to the Lord once and for all. And Elkala is silent. He says, okay, do whatever you want. In one place, Sarah, the mother, does not stand in the will of God. In other place, Elkanah, the father, does not stand in the will of God because each one recognizes who is more spiritual and who has heard from God. In one place the mother knows the father has heard from God. The other place the father knows the mother has heard from God. And both is submitting in silence to the will of God. So that in one place the son can be bound to the altar. The other one, the son will be bound to God at Shiloh. Both are painful. One, he will die if the Lord doesn't stop. The other, it is a living death for the mother. I will never see my son again other than once a year. 
the child I waited for so long. Both cases, it's a binding of their sons to the will of God. Sons or daughters. In both cases, it was painful. Let me ask the parents sitting over here. Do you hear? Do you stand in the will against the will of God or for the will of God? When it comes to your children. There's a man who heard the voice of God. But there was a man, a boy, a son who heard the voice of his father and knew it was the voice of God and allowed himself to be bound. I believe Sarah was on her knees. I believe Hannah was on her knees every day crying out for her son as Sarah was crying out for Isaac. Because children who are birthed in tears are preserved only in tears. No other way. Don't ever think all your counseling and all your teaching and coaching and everything will bring your child back to God. No, it will not. Only prayers and only tears will bring them back and keep them there. Nothing else will work. Nothing else is going to work. Nothing else is going to work. So there are pictures given over there of those who heard the voice of God and obeyed the voice of God. That's why it is so important to establish God's order in the homes. That's why the homes are so badly attacked. So bad. Either the father is attacked where he leaves God and walks away or the mother is attacked, she leaves God and walks away and the children scatter. You need to realize that's why we are so insistent about your marriages. Hold the pressure, hang in there. Let God bring a man or a woman after his own heart into your life. Wait, because it's worth it. It's much bigger than you or me. It's the destiny of another generation. A man who seeks and hears the voice of God. A woman who seeks and submits the voice of her husband. The son who obeys or daughter who obeys the voice of her father or his father, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, the model family in the old covenant, not Rebecca, not Rachel. No. They heard for a season, submitted for a season, then subverted the husband after a season. So did Rebecca, so did Rachel. We have to be careful. Be bound to the will of God. The voice of a godly parent. It doesn't have to be a father. The father doesn't believe it doesn't matter. The faith of the mother can be transferred. Isn't that what Paul says about Timothy? The faith that was in your grandmother passed on to your mother to you. Why? Because Timothy's father was Greek. He was not Jew. But Timothy's father is silent. He doesn't oppose his son's belief. Allows him to go with God. Serve God. Become a disciple. Become a bishop. And go that way. He doesn't become a hindering block. It's fine. The problem becomes when one parent becomes a hindering block to the purpose of God for the next generation. That's why God says, be wise how you choose. Be bound to the will of God through the voice of a very, very godly father or a mother. Chapter 22 and verse 7. Son asks a question. Isaac spoke to his ape. To Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? We call it the question that has no answer. Hmm. 
There's only one answer to that. There's no human answer to this. I don't know what question you have come into the house of God today for which you have no answer. There is only one answer to that question which no man has answered. My God will provide. I don't know what that question it is. I don't know how long you've been carrying it. But there is only one answer to that question which has no answer which no man can give is Yahweh Hire. My God is the provider. There's no other answer. What does he look at his son and says, you? He says, my God will provide. I don't know. I trusted him all this while. I walked all this while with him. I have obeyed him all this while. He has never let me down. I have let him down many times. He has never let me down. His love has never failed me. He has never forsaken me. He has brought me all this way through. Three days back, he said, take your son, your only son. Take him, offer him as a sacrifice. Here I am. The altar is ready. The fire is ready. The knife is ready. And you are asking me, where is his sacrifice? All I can tell you is, my God will provide. Why? Because he is the one who said, through this seed, you will be blessed. Now he has asked me, sacrifice this seed. I don't have an answer. He has. He has. Our God has an answer. And his answer is Christ. That's where scripture says you and I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. The answer is Christ. If you have a question for which you do not have an answer, the answer is God. The provider. You may not see the answer. You may not have the answer. But you just need to know because he is love. And his love love never fails. And because he is faithful and is forever faithful, he has an answer. I only don't see the answer. I don't know when the answer is coming. I don't know in which form it is coming. I only know one thing. He has an answer. And he has an answer. And I believe he has an answer. I don't know how it's going to come. I don't know when it is going to come. Which form it is going to come. If I have to kill you, I believe as Hebrews 11 says, he will raise you up from the dead. If I don't have to kill you, that also he will reveal and offer a substitute. I don't know. But I know one thing. He answers. I know he answers. Do you believe that we serve a God who speaks and he answers those who obey? Do you believe? That is the confidence that comes from the obedience that comes from faith. When you have continually obeyed by faith, there is a boldness, there is a confidence that rises in you where you are able to say, my God provides. Paul had gone through every possible suffering for the name of Christ Jesus' sake, but he knew Christ was faithful in his own way. He was always there for him. Always there for him. He never left him, never abandoned him. He could be stoned dead and left there as dead. Disciples would gather, pray. He would rise back to life, continue. He could be put in a city with everybody looking for him. He would make a way, put him down in a basket, take him out. He would be shipwrecked. Everybody thinking everything is lost. We are going to die. The angel of the Lord will stand next to him and says, you will not die. Have a communion service tomorrow. He was there with him every time. Therefore, lying in the prison, he's able to tell everyone. What does he say? My God, my God shall supply all your need. He doesn't say our God. Though it is our God. This is an experience. 
Yahweh Ire is an experience. Maybe you start as a child with a, where you got your lost pen back. But it should end up as a father who got his son back. He's still the same God. He's still the same God who will answer your little prayer and ask, answer the greatest prayer. Yahweh Ire, the God who will provide. How he will provide, like I said, I don't know. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. All we can do is obey. There was a man in the old covenant. We don't know anything about him. All we know, he's silent. We don't know which home he's from, which family he's from, who his father is, who his mother is. We don't know. We only know he's from a place called Tishbe. So scripture says, Elijah the Tishbite is suddenly standing before the king. And he tells the king, I who stand before the Lord is telling you the voice of the word of the Lord. It will not rain in this land anymore until the word comes from my mouth. He was telling the king that. And then he hears the voice of God in his ear. Elijah, turn eastward and go to Chariot. Go to Chariot. There I have commanded the raven to feed you. Did he tell him that in the beginning? No. He didn't tell him that. Even. He only told him, you go present yourself to the king. This is where the king is. There you go. Stand before the king and tell my command to the king and to the nation. As soon as he finishes obeying that, he hears, now you turn this side. Go to this place and I have taken care of you. How have you taken care? He didn't ask any of these questions. God says, my provision is there for you. It is through ravens. Morning and evening. Morning and evening. Bread Supply came. Brook was there. He drank. But drought has begun. The rains have stopped. Slowly he looks. One day the brook has dried. The raven is there. The brook has dried. He hears the voice of God again. Arise, Elijah. Go to Zarephath. For I have commanded a poor fiddle to feed you. I have commanded If you walk in obedience, hearing the voice of God, even when you don't understand, there are commands of God going to nature to take care of you. It may be a raven, it may be a poor widow, but he is still the same God. You and I don't have to know his ways. We just have to believe that my God is faithful. Abraham had no clue as he and his son are climbing. Here is Isaac climbing with a load of wood on his back up the hill. And here is Abraham carrying the pot and the knife on the other side. He will not know the ram is also climbing. Because God who can speak to man, a God who can speak to the worm, a God who can speak to the raven, a God who can speak to the donkey, is able to talk to speak to the ram to say, climb, go up and be there. Your time has come. That is a provision for my servant. When he lifts the knife, God will call, What? Abraham, Abraham, lay not your hand upon that child. Only when you have learned to take what you value most in your life and put it on the altar before God, you will realize all of God's plans for this person was only good and never to harm. But you will never know it until you have surrendered that person. Till then we are protecting our children. Protecting, protecting. Go for this, go for that, go for this, go for except put him on the altar. 
thinking, oh, if I put him on the altar, what will happen? God says, you have no clue what will happen. You have no clue. Oh, Abraham, I care for your son more than you can ever care for him. Not even a hair on his head will be harmed. Isn't that what scripture says? Let's go. Let's read scripture. What does it say? As we come further down. Let's read. Because scripture. And Abraham said here. Yeah. Then came to the place which God had told him. He built. And verse 10. Can we go to 10, 11? And Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son, and the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. What a wonderful man, right? God calls you to take the child, to kill the child. He says, here I am. I want you to look at verse 13. Then God said, don't touch him. Verse 13 is interesting. And then Abraham Altar is made somewhere on the top of the mountain. Everything is ready. Sun is bound. Fire is ready. Wood is ready. He lifts. God says, no, I don't want that. Scripture doesn't say he looked down. Scripture says he looked up. Because the provision of God doesn't come from down. It comes from up. It is Christ. It's not a ram. He looked up. That's why the psalmist says, I look to thee. Where does my help come from? Where does it come? Where do you look? Left, right? Where do you look? Where does your help come from? Remember Moses at 40 when he didn't know God? He looked to the left, he looked to the right, and he killed one man and buried him in the sand. Because he refused to look up. 40 years later, he looked up. One sword. One fellow with the sand. Problem with sand is wind blows and the body is exposed. Forty years later, God said, look up. Lift your hand. The seas that was parted came down. Not one man. The entire Egyptian army was drowned in the sea. Same man. But a man now who has learned to hear and obey the voice of God. Do we hear? Elijah heard. His provision came. Abraham's provision came. It's not our way. Which prophet wants to be fed by a raven? But he could got good means. Do you want to be fed by a poor widow? No, we want to be fed by the rich fat man. God says no poor widow. Much of the work of the church in the world is done by poor widows. Not by these rich people. And Jesus made it very clear. He was sitting there and he said, look, the money going into the treasury. Each one gave out of their abundance. She gave everything. Just look at it. Poor widow. Her entire might she had, she put it. That's what the Elijah came to Zarephah. There is this poor lady picking up sticks. She is famished, emaciated, hungry. Her son is lying down to lie. She is picking. And he says, give me something. She said, itna ata hai, itna tel hai, do roti ke liye kafi hai, khayenge, marenge. That's what he says. And what happens? She 
tells her something. Give it to me. Give it to me. That takes incredible faith to give it to a man you do not know. Whom you haven't seen. Who looks a little plump after being fed by the ravens. When you and your son are struggling for life. But scripture says she made it and gave it to him. Once he had taken it, he said, from today, food will not run out in your house until the famine is over. Do you believe? God speaks. God can speak to a ram. He can speak to a raven. He can command a poor widow. He can speak to the wind. Oh, who can feed us meat in this desert? We are tired of this man. God said, wind, blow. Scripture says the wind blew and quails were dropping in the camp. Before everybody's house, poultry chicken, talk, 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 broiler chicken, all falling. God said, you asking me? Can God provide meat in the wilderness? What do you think I am? Scripture says they ate so much naaks and nickel gay. These were all written for our sake. Those who doubt in the 20th century with all their scientific calculations, east wind, what speed, how does it come, which way does the quail, God says, forget all that. (laughs) I can meet any need in any way I please. I can. He can speak to the wind. He can speak to the cloud. My people are marching. How many? Around 2 million. So, no popikuda like in Kerala. He says, cloud over them. Let them walk in the shade. You can imagine the surrounding nations. My gosh, two million people are marching. They always have cloud cover. Do you believe? I told you 1998 when I traveled from Assam to Hyderabad in May, in summer and that child was there. She was there. She was small. No ticket. Suddenly had to come. Height of summer. Sleeper class. Gohati, I stood there. I said, Lord, it's height of summer. I need favor. He said, do you, do you believe? I said, I do. He said, speak. I said, what? I said, do you know that I send a cloud before my people? I said, yeah. Do you believe? I said, yes. Gohati to Havra, we had complete overcast. Havra, different story. From Havra to Hyderabad, height of summer. And I'm watching. The train is moving. There is cloud cover. Each station, I know, every station where the train stops for 15 to 20 minutes. I run to the end of the platform to look up. There is cloud cover. At Vijayawada, the train, instead of going straight to Chennai, turns to Hyderabad. At Vijayawada, I turned. The cloud turned with the train. Do you believe? Do you believe? Why? If he did it for them, won't he do it for you? Does he love you less? Is his hand limited? His hand can be limited only by your unbelief. He's the same God. But I don't share testimonies because your faith should not be based on my testimonies. It should be based only on this and this alone. Because tomorrow you will go and stand before the God and say, Lord, let the cloud follow me as it followed Pastor James in Naya. It won't happen. You'll be like the sons of Skiva in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches. God says, shut up, I don't know you. It should be based only on this and this alone. 
You have to hear from God. God can speak to anything. He can speak to the wind. He can speak to the cloud. He can speak to the dew. Have you said dew? You know in the winter, springtime we go, our cards are all covered with dew. That's what Gideon said, Lord, you know what? Today let the flesh be dry, the ground be wet. God said, no problem. Dew, fall all around, don't fall there. Okay, Lord. Next day he said, Lord, please on the fleece and not on the ground. God said, no problem. Dew, fall on the fleece and not on the ground. Can you believe this God? He can speak to the dew. He can speak to the cloud. He can speak to the sun. Sun! Joshua said, but Joshua said it won't stop. It is God who has to say. At Gibeon, stop. Today people use that. Because scripture says, sun shall not go, go down on your anger. I haven't finished fighting, stand still. <laughs> Joshua was a different battle. Because pastor said, make peace before the sun goes down. I haven't finished yet, stand still. Let me finish fighting. No! You look at scripture. That's why we read scripture because our faith grows and he says, you know Lord, you're an awesome God. You're an awesome, awesome God. You can speak to anything. God will provide. God will provide. But for that you have to hear the voice of God and walk in Gideon. Because there is an interesting episode in the Bible about King Saul sitting at Gibeah. With 600 men, one sword, Philistines all surrounding, sitting there in defeat, sitting there in discouragement. Where? At Gibeah, which is Gibeon. The same place where Joshua had stole the sun to stand still and won Israel's greatest victory, the first king of Israel, is sitting there in absolute defeat, surrounded, pegged in by the enemies because he refused to hear and walk in obedience. Same God. Same God. Same place. Hear the voice of God. Obey the voice of God. Walk in obedience. He is the one who goes ahead and opens doors for us. His name is Jehovah Jireh. My God shall provide. My God shall provide. For that we need to hear. So do you have that assurance? Do you have that assurance? Yes, you will. If your faith is based on that obedience that comes in God. Obedience. Romans 8.32, as we close, says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him, with him, also freely give us all things. Our problem is this. We want all things without him. But God says, with him, with him. It's a package deal. With him, I'll give you everything that you need. Are you getting the picture? What happened that day on Mount Moriah? Where a man started, where a man ended. There's a difficult decision that man had to reach. I don't want to get into it, but let me talk to you about it before I close. He had to make a very difficult decision. God hasn't spoken yet. He's tied him up. 
Wood is arranged, a knife is raised, he has to make one decision. Who do I love more? God or Isaac? Who do I love more? When you are children, it is okay in the faith, but you will come to a point where when you come to leadership in the kingdom of God, it will be you alone with God where you will have to make the decision before God who you love more before you can be truly called a disciple. Everyone has to go through that. And that day Abraham said, Lord, it's you and not Isaac. Isaac did not know the God of his father much, but he knew one thing, he loved his father. He allowed him to be tied, he allowed him to be bound, and I'm sure he closed his eyes. Incredible pictures in the Bible of men and women who heard from God, obeyed God, walked with God, and God was not ashamed to be called, scripture says, their God. That's why he talks about Abraham as his friend. Now as we close, worship team, come. Come. We will sing. We will worship this awesome God. Why do you think people die for this God? Allow themselves to be executed, chopped, boiled in oil, boiled in tar, boiled in whatever. Why do you think? Because they know how awesome this God is. They will not go back on what they have believed. We should not go back on what we have believed. This morning, tell to God, Lord, I want to hear you. You speak to me whichever way you choose. Today I heard we serve a God who speaks. He speaks through voices that are familiar. And then he speaks to you personally. And if he has spoken to you this morning, he's asking you to put something right. Remember our assurance, our boldness comes because we have obeyed. He doesn't ask us difficult things in the beginning. But whatever he asks us, as asked of you, obey. Shall we stand? Have your
Father, this morning, even as we, as a church, stand before Thee, I pray, Father, that there would be surrender in the hearts, in the lives of each one who have heard. You only have the best for your children. Eyes haven't seen, no ears heard what God is preparing for those who love Him. There is nothing on planet Earth. With all that we have, with all our technology innovation that can match to what you are preparing for those who love you. I pray, Father, people will have the boldness to say, here I am. When you call each one by name, they will say, here I am. When you tell us what to do, our obedience will be complete. Not excuses. Not more excuses. But the obedience of Abraham. Next day, early morning, scripture says, he left with his son. With the wood. With the knife. With the fire. I pray the young ones here will have the obedience of Isaac. That they will allow themselves to be bound to the will of God. They may not understand now what is happening. Because they probably do not know God as Abraham knew. But trusting the voice that speaks to them. They will allow themselves to be bound to the will of God. This morning I commit the children here into thy hands first. The little ones, the young ones, the teenagers, the young ones, the unmarried ones. Commit this youth, Lord, into thy hands. They have been with us, so many of them with us for years, some from the beginning. They have taken this journey with Abraham, Isaac took that journey, carrying the burden, carrying the wood without knowing where he was going. Without knowing the purpose of this journey, they have walked thus far. But today I pray, Father, would be the day they would allow themselves to be bound to you. to you for your will. Touch. Touch the young ones, Lord. Touch this generations, Lord. Touch this generation. You need another generation to stand up as a testimony of the living God. Touch them. Touch the parents here. The fathers here. The mothers here. The fathers to seek and to hear the voice of God. The mothers to be found on their knees in the closet crying out to God. Then our children will go forth and fulfill the purpose of God.
us to lift up our heads and see your provision. Help us to look to the cross from which every blessing flows. For your word says in Romans, Lord, the Father did not spare his only begotten Son and delivered him up for us. How much more will he give us all things? Oh, Father, help us to keep our eyes fixed on him. For you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. All that we long for, all that we seek, all that we need is already been given in Christ. Help us to see. Oh, Father, help us to see and love you, obey you, walk with you. To know your commands are not burdensome. We will be never probably ever asked, ever, ever asked as Abraham was asked. Yet for Abraham, your command was not burdensome. How much more it should be to each one of us. The little things that you ask us to do. I pray Lord, we will grow in obedience. Then as we grow in faith. We will grow in our love, Lord, even as we know you better and better and hear clearer and clearer from you. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I take authority now in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I bind every deaf spirit. Every spirit that blocks the ears of God's people from hearing his voice, I command you to leave in Jesus' name. For we are a people redeemed by the blood of Jesus called by name to hear his voice now and forevermore. Let every deaf and dumb spirit leave in Jesus name. Every spirit clogging the spiritual ears of God's people has to leave in Jesus name. As the high priest and the priest were anointed with blood, by faith they anoint the ears of God's people with the blood of Jesus, with the blood of Jesus, with the blood of Jesus. That they will clearly hear the voice of the living God and no other false voice. Voice of God. When they read the word, they will hear. When they hear the word, they will hear. When they pray, they will hear. They will hear. Because we see, Lord, you are a God who loves to speak to your children. As a father speaks to his children. Speak, oh Father, to each one. Each one. Meet them at their point of need. Take authority and I command that spirit of infirmity to leave the body of Christ. Speak healing into the body of Christ. Be healed in Jesus' name. Let there be healing in physical bodies. Let there be healing in relationships. Let there be healing in marriages. Let there be healing in homes. Let there be healing in offices. Let there be healing in workplaces. Let there be healing, healing in schools and colleges wherever your children are oppressed. Deliver them. Set them free, Lord. Because you are a healer. Because you said, Lord, He will heal them. Pray the Son of Righteousness will rise over His people with healing under His wings. That people will go from His house each time as stall-fed calves. 
filled, satisfied, full of His Spirit. Fill us once more, Lord, this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We commit this morning, Sister Desdi and the two children into their hands. We thank you for her husband's life and his ministry. I pray, Father, that you would comfort her and the children. That she would know that God is her father. She would know Christ is her spouse. That the children would know they have a father in heaven who will never leave them nor forsake them. And they would know the church is their family on earth. And the strength of God will be their portion all the days of our life. That Desdi and the children will keep their eyes fixed on Christ Jesus. And will run this race, finish this course and hear from you one day Lord. Well done, well done my good and faithful servant. Touch, comfort, strengthen. The peace of God. Guard her heart. Let the comfort of God be her strength. The joy of the Lord be her strength. And when she stands, O Lord, to minister in different places, different villages, let the comfort of God flow through her into the lives of others. Let the balm of Gilead flow, bringing healing wherever she goes. Thank you. Let the two children be blessed and find favor with God and favor with man. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Commit each one into thy hands. Stretch forth your hands and bless them and meet them at their point of need. Let them know Yahweh is Yahweh here. Thank you, Father. I just bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. I bless your holy name. For in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest abide with all of us. Amen.